let's introduce you to the stars of the show. <laughs> Adorable, aren't they? Well, hello everybody. This is Jay. I'm here with Eric. We are going to do the Real Thrills podcast today. And it's been about two years now that we've kind of been away. But man, have we watched a bunch of movies together. Right, Eric? We've watched way more movies in the last year than we did the previous two when we were doing the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, Eric and I kind of took a break uh, naturally and uh, got our focus on other things. Mine being kids and work and a bunch of other Lottie Doss stuff that I don't care to mention. Uh, but when we were doing the old podcast, we were doing a bunch of old movies, right? And just kind of going back and revisiting them. We thought we'd take a different pivot here in our next segment of this show for us. We're going to start talking about newer movies in the same categories that we had in the past, but try to put a spin of Hey, is this something to go see or something to wait on and some hot takes along the way? Am I right, Eric? Completely right. I think uh, most of the movies we did in the past were movies that had been talked about to death. You could go on and find 10,000 other podcasts about them. And I'm sure that the same will be true for these newer films. But I think what sparked our inspiration was going back to the movie theaters, right? Like it'd been so long since COVID. So going, I think the first one we saw was we saw when they put um, Terrifier 2 um, in a local theater. I think it was last Halloween. Oh, yeah. And we went to see it like November 1st or something. And it was kind of a weird, like creepy experience going. And uh, we really enjoyed the film. And then we kind of like made it a plan to be like, let's do this more often. And we did. And the sad news that I heard today that uh, some of our listeners and I might not be local to our area, we used to frequent seeing movie theaters at Enfield Mall, and it's closing. The announcement came out. My wife told me on the way over here, when you know, right before I left the house, she sat me down and said, I got a serious conversation. I think you're going to be sad. Enfield Mall movie theater is closing. And to be honest, I am, but it was a pretty janky movie theater of the ones that we have been frequent. Uh, we go to one yeah. in West Springfield that's pretty, you know, higher end with the reclining chairs and a really nice theater atmosphere. And we've also are going to uh, the MGM Regal, which has become our our mainstay now. We uh, became members, and <laughs> that is why we we invested in our. Movie going experiences. We we chose Regal, and that is why I think going forward our podcasts are going to be more uh, current movies, newer movies, stuff that we're going to try to get ahead of. Um, but as the podcasts roll out, maybe we won't. But that's okay. That doesn't matter. Our 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 points are still valid, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy listening. Uh, a little new, but same categories. A couple new things here, and uh, are we ready to? Get into it, Eric. Do we want to do any more background stuff? I think the funny thing is we saw a ton of movies over the last year in theaters. um, And the movie we decide to do on the podcast is the first one we didn't see in theaters. Yeah, (laughs) We actually streamed this one because, uh, unfortunately, I had COVID uh, during the uh, release of this film. And thankfully, as I was getting better, Jay was like, oh, it's on Peacock now. And I was like, wow, that's amazing because now I can actually watch it, you know, from bed and that'll be great. And I'll take lots of notes. And uh, I deposit like 32 times to blow my nose. But other than that, this one is hopefully a film that you haven't seen, but based on the box office numbers, you probably have seen it. Yeah. It was a shocker when I looked it up. Um, But I, I, I did call you the day, I think I saw it the day before you did. 
and I had a, I have a lot of high hopes. I, so I, I'm pro this movie uh, more than anything, and we'll get into why. Um, but also, I was just entertained by it. I think it's a it's a what's considered a gateway movie for a lot of uh, younger generation uh, that will be getting into horror. Um, it's based on a video game. Eric, what what's what's the movie we're talking about? What are we, what are we getting into? So we're doing Five Nights at Freddy's, and. One thing I will say for myself is that um, I've never played the game, although I knew it was a game. I kind of had some idea that it was like, you know, an animatronic kind of situation. You're already ahead of me because I did not know it was a game. No, never played the game. But I did before I saw the film. I watched uh, someone play the game on YouTube for like five minutes because I wanted to kind of get an idea of what it was like. Oh, you're one of those guys. Well, because everyone said it's this great horror game. So I'm like, oh, well. I like horror games. Let me check it out. I watched it. Wasn't really my cup of tea, but I was like, I'm really interested in what they're going to do in the film. I did my best, and I think I was pretty good. I didn't look up any information about this movie. Like, I didn't read, like, any of the synopsis, reviews, anything. I wanted to keep this totally fresh because I have a lot of questions. And one of the questions, I guess, for you, Jay, is do you think this film was made specifically for Five Nights at Freddy's fans? A hundred percent. Um, but I was okay. And I went along with it. So I, I, I knew nothing of the video game, like, just like you did no research. Uh, I went into it other than seeing some of the trailers, some of the lead up and it's a Blumhouse movie. I mean, so right there, you're, you're kind of intrigued, you know, Jason's putting some money behind this and you could tell, um, I think it put in between 20 and 30 million. And last time I checked the box office was north side of 230 yeah i mean i think it's got that appeal because of the video game nature of it i think people were probably like i just got to check it out i'm interested i want to see what they do with it i did hear that like they were planning on doing this film for a very long time and they kept like trashing the scripts and i think it was kind of one of those movies that maybe was just like cursed from the beginning um and took a really long time to put out i do want to just shout out one film that came out that's a very similar concept and maybe was trying to like take what this film was potentially going to do and do it in their own way, which was Willie's Wonderland. Yeah, which came out on Hulu, what, two years ago, three years ago? Even more. I think it might have been like... 2019-ish. 18 or 19, yeah, with yeah. Nicolas Cage. It was re- actually pretty cool. It was a good, I, good film. So did you watch that as part of some of your research here? I watched it in preparation before I actually watched... Five Nights at Freddy's because I was thinking, all right, let me, this one's already available. So let me watch this and kind of get an idea of, you know, how close are these films? Are they trying to do the same thing? Kind of a similar plot, like without knowing much about it other than it's an abandoned, you know, you know, Chuck E. Cheese type place with animatronics that are killers. And you're like, okay, that's. So initially I saw that movie many years ago. I think I told you about it many years ago. Yeah. And when I first saw the trailer, I don't know, one of the horror movies that we were watching, probably like Evil Dead Rise. I think it's the first time I saw it. Okay, yep. And um, I was like, oh, well, that's just a blatant knockoff of Willy's Wonderland. Not knowing that there was a game, but when it came to a Blumhouse movie and the other one was a Hulu original, so you could already tell that two different backings behind, you know, the studios. Yeah. And I just, and the the production that was going to come out of it, I just, I was in, all right? Based on a game, Blumhouse is backing it, a story that's been around for a long time, kicking around, nobody knew what to do with it. Willie's beat out, beat it out. But it, in, in true Nicolas Cage fashion, nothing against him. It was, I don't, I, you know, that's a debate for another time. It was a better or worse, but the fact that it came out before, you got to kind of give it to, its props. But at the same time, this was a little bit better other than we'll get into it, some some plot holes. And I'm sure that's going to be a theme of what we're going to talk about today. But let's get into it. Let's start with the drop. Now, for me, it happened right away. As soon as the Universal logo comes across as a glitch, as a point of view camera, security camera glitch. And right there, I was like, it's already starting. The drop came within the Universal logo coming across the screen for me, where I was like, "Oh man, they're 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 gonna get right into this," 
And sure enough, they go right into a security camera room where a guy's freaking out. So that's kind of for me. I was like, I'm I'm in it now. I'm already I'm on board. Yeah, I think um, I I definitely think that's like the first, you know, inclination that something is really askew. But I also think that for me, it was the burglary scene. Okay. Um, Just because I think you start to see the characters in action at that point and you kind of see what they're doing and how it's working, you know, because I think before it was you're just blindsided. All of a sudden there's a security guard, right? And like, you don't see what's happening to him except that he gets thrown into this chair and then the crazy spinny mask thing starts coming at him. Um, by the way, I think when I watched that, I was thinking like, this looks like it could be like a Norelco commercial, you know, when they try oh, to like wow. show you like, look at how many blades our new, our new razor has. And this thing's coming at his face. I'm like, that's going to give him a very close shave. If, if nothing else, if, a hundred percent. I didn't think about the Naroko, but that that that's that's spot on, man. I, <laughs> it, it was even the the way that the 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 head looked. You got the two the the spinning things at the top, and then you got the one. Oh wow! Pat, patented twelve blade technology. Oh hell yeah, man! Gets you the closest shave ever. You know that you you're totally on brand. There you go. What I have to ask right out of the gate, though, is because I'm fucking confused by this. Is the sign right? So we're talking about this is uh we're we're not talking about a, a chain here, right? Like this is the Freddy Fazbear's, like this yeah. is the one. Right? So the sign in all its glory says Freddy Fazbear's Pizza Place. And so I'm like, okay. Okay, I want to know more about the pizza side. I see the video games. I gotta I wanna see a I just wanna see a picture of the pizza. Because I really was curious, what is it going to get on the one bite app, right? Like Ooh. if you if you had to put Freddy's Pizza on the one bite, I can't even give you an idea of what I think it's going to be. Well, probably, where, where would you rank Chuck E. Cheese back in the day? Three six. All right, this is probably less than that because it's a one off place in oh I don't know, Ohio. Where are we? Iowa? I think we're in Utah. We're in Utah. Oddly <laughs> enough, really? How did you how did you land on that? Um, I don't remember. I think I heard someone say like it, the the video game or something it's set in utah and then when i was watching the film i was like is that true and then the only thing i could really see in the film that would give me that would give it away is that i think at the very end when they go to the hospital there's a palm tree and i was like i think there are some some palm trees in utah so i'm like at least going it's got to be like you know south or it's got to be west and wow so that's the only pieces that i could put together you know we I know we got one listener out there from the great state of Utah, and he's going to be very proud that he heard that Utah just got dropped on our pod. Mm-hmm. I, I was from Utah, and I'm thinking that is on brand. If you got a, you know, every family's got six to seven kids out there anyway. Who's going to care about missing a few? Yep, right. Agreed. This is this is kind of the theme here. So, so my original question is Freddy's Fazbear Pizza Place, but then the security tape that he, for some reason, decides to put in this janky uh, VCR. Um, she says, welcome to Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria. And I'm like, those are two different names. Yeah. And at first I was thinking, like, is there a rebranding that happened, right? Like, did they rebrand because of the missing kids, right? Well, or maybe their pizza sucks so much that they got away from Pizzeria, which sounds a little nicer to go to a pizza place. I don't know. Would to me, where would you rather have a bite of pizza? Pizzeria or a pizza place? Uh, um, pizzeria, probably. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think pizzeria. Yeah, so their pizza sucked. So they had to change it to pizza place. Anyway, maybe <laughs> some bad, they did some bad marketing. Someone fucked up somewhere and they didn't fix it. Maybe they um, lost some kids. Well, I want to get to that because <laughs> I got a lot on that. Uh, I have a lot of freaking questions about that piece but um i think that covers the drop for us oh 100 and i think typically we would go next into our favorite death scene uh not a lot of deaths yeah. in this movie full disclosure if you're looking for blood and glory <laughs> this ain't it five would you say the kill counts five on this Maybe. yeah you've got the four vandals yeah and you've got the security guard at the beginning. Yeah, and at the end, you know, there was... No. Oh, yeah, he, he was still reaching. And he was still reaching. He had, like, the super shredder from Ninja Turtles 2, where you're like, there's no way he survived that dock falling on him, but the fist still comes out, and you're like, 
they're going to make a Ninja Turtles 3, and Super Shredder's still going to be alive. Yeah. He wasn't, but still gave you that impression. Well, we're still waiting for Shredder to come back, I think. I mean, I think they, sh- they should have Kevin Nash reprise his role. He's not wrestling anymore, so he could be Super Shredder again. Yeah. But I would say for my favorite death scene, I don't want to give it away because that's the other problem with this is like spoil spoiler alerts, right? Yeah. So I would say my favorite death for character, the babysitter, who yeah. goes to help vandalize Freddy Fazbear's pizza place slash pizzeria and gets up on a ladder or a step stool, and then bye-bye. Yeah, decapitation. More than decapitate, right? What do you call it when you bite someone's upper half off? Yeah. I don't know. I don't either. <laughs> Someone look it up. Yeah. I thought I thought it was, uh, you know, the head was gone, but I guess the torso went with it. I think it was the whole, yeah, I think it was like a lean in and the whole belly button up. Gotcha. Yeah, a little, little you know, the fact that she was following a child too, right? Like that was the other the ghost child, yeah. The ghost child, uh, which kind of right away kind of threw you off of what was kind of going on. But we'll probably get into that. Right? A little did bit did later. she ha- she had some motherhood instincts, right? I mean, she was trying to find a, a kid. Yeah, it sounded like she was a good babysitter, um, oh, but yeah. she, I think she, she was just poor. Mike yeah. wasn't paying her. Yeah, and this was a way to, you yeah. know, I think in her own way, I don't think she thought of the risk that would happen to Mike or his sister, but at the same time, oh, okay, I can do 10 minutes worth of work and actually get paid for it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think for me too, kind of in the same uh, sequence of uh, the vandals coming in to uh, kind of bust that place up for a reason that comes known a little bit later uh, or earlier in that in that movie. But again, I will have spoilers throughout this whole thing. We'll try not to do them all. But uh, for me, it was uh, one the the other vandal. I think his name was Carl. You had to look it up for me. I don't even know these guys' names. They were. It was just a very quick scene of these guys coming in, and they all got they all met their maker in some way or another with one of those animatronics. And I think this one was Chica's cupcake attack mm-hmm. on his face. Again, you don't really see anything. To your point about Alex, like you didn't see anything. You just saw her body in a shadow drop. Right, you didn't see her get eaten, uh, but you and they did an amazing job of that. Not a lot of blood. You saw a little blood, a little bit of blood, not much. Yeah, though. but yeah. you'd always see these scenes where you you know a, a bloody hand along the window, and it, and that's it. It's gone. It seemed like they were trying to keep the rating. Like, uh, oh yeah, because it, it didn't get an R rating, did it? PG thirteen. PG thirteen. Yes. Yeah. So I think they 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 were wise. They kept a lot of the swearing out of it. They. They kept the um, the the death scenes to be like a lot of shadows and stuff. To your point, so I think they actually were smart about it. Now, would this movie have been better if they could do it rated R? I don't think so. Just because I think they would have had to put so much more money into the practical effects to make them look good, mm-hmm. um, instead of kind of like putting them off screen. That I don't know if it would have. They would have had to skimp elsewhere, you know. Like maybe that they already capped out their budget. So so tough to say, but I, I think it's a good call. Again, you don't have a lot of kills to choose from in this, no. but but that's okay. You don't need. So there are some films that, like I'll just say, one of the best films that we saw this year was Talk to Me, yeah. um, the Australian horror, and I think it only had one death in the whole film. Right, just so a like, lot of messed up stuff happening, and being in a being in this world of unknown and fear really gets you going in that movie and it just kept going so yeah totally different type and this one was like uh you know i'll probably get into this point a little bit later on in the pod but uh it's just geared towards a different generation of moviegoers we are in a different millennial group so for us we've seen it all most of it to be honest, yeah, we've pretty much seen it all, and this is just a different world of like horror at PG thirteen, which, I, like you said, I think the rating really made it why the box office went nuts. So, yeah, this next section we used to call it that was dumb. We kind of rebranded the name to WTF, you know, because these are like the dumb things that happen or the nitpicks that happen throughout movies that were just like, why did they? run so slow or trip over that log or what decisions yeah what decisions do they make in the film or 
what were the things in the film that didn't make sense? Yeah, for this yeah. movie, I think you're going to get, I think your notes are like two pages deep right now. Uh, you mentioned it to me right off the bat, and I think we were trying to have that debate as well together. Even to me, I was like, I felt like there was a scene during the plot where I was just like, did I fall asleep? Did I miss something? And you're like, no, you saw the movie. There's holes. Uh, and I'm sure we'll get into that some with some of your notes. But, you know, for me, the first thing I said, the plot, the other what WTF was Abby's acting like she's she's the little girl. Oh, in this. my God. I was like, where do they find this? You know, she must be the daughter of somebody on this set because I'm like, there was many moments that I'm like, she looks sweet. She looks innocent. She's a little troubled, a little whatever girl, but holy cow, couldn't act herself out of a cardboard box, man. And also it's 2000. Um, Just in case you're curious, the movie's set in 2000. I only know that because at the start, he has a an alarm clock instead of a cell phone to wake him up in the morning. No, no and, cell phones in this movie. Right, and then he's pl- he's playing a cassette tape uh, of uh, nature sounds to fall asleep to. So I'm like, all right, this movie's got to be like you know late 90s, and then they show a security camera that says 2000. So it's 2000. Point being, why does she have a little Debbie haircut? She's like Shirley Temple with this hairdo. They couldn't have gave her like a slightly more modern. 2000s haircut at that point. Yeah, and towards the last scene, she's wearing these orange pants that are like three inches above her ankles. I'm like, that is fashionable today. Not in 2000. Nobody. That was baggy skater stuff going on back then that that girl would be wearing. In those like 1985 like high top Reeboks that she was wearing. Yeah. I'm like, like you you're dressed like now, like a cool kid now. Yeah. You know, with these like high. You know, anyway, we don't have to get into a whole fashion fashion, fashion <laughs> statement, though. She was uh, ahead of her time. Yeah. So, and m- my last thing here, uh, the w- WTF was, you know, Max the babysitter. You kind of mentioned it. So she's the babysitter, probably not getting paid a lot. Kind of, what was it, her brother that she was working with? Yeah. So her brother and her are... S- Scheming with the aunt, which we'll get into, Aunt Jane, who is trying to take Abby to be her child away from Mike, who's the main character. Um, So there's a whole other plot happening over there with that. And she gets killed by one of the animatronics, as you mentioned, is your favorite death scene. Oh, so... No, well... Yes, yes. Yes. So... To me, I'm just like, you You wanted to screw this guy so so far over that you go vandalize. Karma pretty much comes back to haunt you because you're trying to be this nurturing person that you were supposed to be as the babysitter. And then what I didn't get, all right, so she dies. Totally missed that point with Mike because, oh, wait, I don't have a babysitter and now I'm working nights. Now you have to come in to work with me. And then this, then Abby's now introduced to to Freddie, and here we go. Now we're off. Now, now she's in the Thunderdome of Freddie's place. So I was, I was just like, Al, I don't get. It. She dies, and then they just shift. Like no story of what happened to Alex. Why is she not picking up her phone to babysit? Not answering her phone. <laughs> well, because there are no phones. No, there cell, are no phones, cell phones. So can't get her on the landline. It's crazy. She just. No, no story behind that. Like, what happened to Alex? She hasn't been found. There's no news. There's no news at all in this whole movie. <laughs> anyway, go for it. So I'm going to kind of piggyback on that. So again, I, I'm counting this as like a, a real WTF. All right. So um, without getting into like the full plot, because I think we'd rather let you go see the film to understand the plot, but... Um, Mike is taking care of his sister, Abby, because both the parents are dead. He is probably, like, in his 20s, and she's, like, between 10 and 12 years old. Mm -hmm. She's in her own world. She draws a lot. She's got imaginary friends, whatever. So there's a scene at the beginning where they're seeing a counselor, and it's Mike and his Aunt Jane and her lawyer, Doug. And now I will say Doug is my spirit animal. Like, he's so good in this film. 
he's like batting a thousand on every scene that he's in. Oh, he's, yeah. The comedic timing, the lack of dialogue, but the facial expressions, he's amazing. Shout out to Doug because yeah. he's awesome in this. Did he steal the movie? He did. <laughs> but the aunt says something like, I want to take her away from my delinquent nephew because she's a mentally ill child and I want to take care of her. And Mike says, she's only doing it because she wants the monthly check. Now, what the fuck? So here's the thing. She seems pretty well off. Now, how much is this fucking monthly check where she wants to take in a child who she's already described as mentally ill to take care of her? Um, if it's She jokes about killing her nephew at one point in the film so that she can take Abby over and take care of Abby. How much are they paying? How much is this check per month that she wants it that bad? And if it's that much money, why is Mike trying to go to work still? Why doesn't he just stay home and play dad and take care of her if she's getting this whopping paycheck every single month? I'm so fucking confused by this. Yeah. Like, no. don't even make him say that. In the, like, the director, writer, like, why would you make him even say that? It's stupid. If you need a reason for her to want the child, you need to, get, you need to be better than that. You got to have a better excuse. Yeah. Well, like you said, he, he has to take on this night job because he got fired from his last one, um, which plays into why he's kind of, like, all messed up in the head for what happened when he was a younger kid. Um, he kind of saw something happening in a mall, which – you know, the death of the mall is upon us. So, obviously, in the 2000s, you have this boy, something happens, he thinks something's going on, it leads back to his what happened when he was a kid. So, yeah, with, with, with Mike trying to get these odd jobs just to support her, you're right, it doesn't make any sense. And, like, they self-proclaim, like, he's got, he takes a job for, like, one week at a time and the pay always sucks and the hours suck and he has to get a babysitter that he can't pay. Well, again, how much money is this if you can't pay the babysitter while you're actually working? It just, it doesn't make any sense to me, but. And all their like food choices at home didn't seem to be like elaborate. They were always like, Hey, I got a can of soup. You want some Stouffer's? Yeah. Might still be warm. Yeah. There's really not much going on there. So you're right. I mean, I have no idea how that money would be so valuable to Aunt Jane and not Mike. And Aunt Jane has the money to pay the people to vandalize. She's going to pay them $1,000 in 2000, $1,000 to go vandalize just so she, like, where's the return on investment at this point? How, again, how much is this goddamn check? I got to assume that it's probably what, social security for both parents? Yeah. So maybe she's maybe they're getting a thousand bucks a month. But again, if that's the case, why is Mike trying so hard to work? Yeah, to go to a career counselor. Right. Is he just trying to be normal because he's hasn't had that Kinda life has before? It. He doesn't have his shit together either. That's number one. Yeah, I got more. Okay, I guess this this is probably the big one. Then I'm I'm just gonna go for it. In the film, they say this place is real popular in the '80s. Okay, then he says, a couple years ago they closed it down because some kids went missing. It's 2000, so what's a couple years ago? Because later on in the film, Vanessa says, this place closed in the 80s because all these kids went missing. So there's two totally different timelines of when this place closed. Now, the other question is, what the fuck does this place closing have to do with a bunch of kids that went missing? Did they go missing at this place? Why isn't the owner in jail? Like, what do they mean a bunch of kids went missing so they closed this place down? Like, maybe that's in the the lore of Five Nights at Freddy's, but mm. it makes absolutely – the timeline and the reason for closing makes zero sense to me. I, I don't get it. Yeah, and, and what was a, a good kind of lead up to what you're just saying too is when, you know, the credits were happening, it was like the video game style, you're watching it. It was like this old, choppy, pixeled, um, animated computer game happening where this yellow bunny would come in and a kid would leave. A yellow bunny would come in and a kid would leave. And then eventually, the, no, the kids are gone. So if you're watching it through that lens, right, and that lens only, and you're, like you said, if if this 
is an audience for the gamers who like understand some of these background things for viewers like us that had no idea. You're you're right. Like, I don't understand what's happening. What timeline are we on? You know, if the kids went missing, like, you know, I think, um, the social worker was kind of communicating to Mike, Hey, there's this job that, you know, you're a security guard at this place that closed, whatever. So even those stories weren't matching, but it was for maybe a reason why, because that will lead into something else. But, I, I think with uh, with this place in 2000, you're right. What is it? Early 90s, mid 90s, it closes down. A couple kids are missing. I think it closed in the 80s. Okay, so if it closed in the 80s, a couple kids are missing. Then you – that is the reason why it closed down, but it's still open because of a way that, hey, the owner is very like – wants to keep this place running and you'll see why and understand why later he's kind of a nostalgic guy yeah and, and there's high turnover here and i'll catch you on the flip side hopefully yeah a lot of foreshadowing yes well and there was an easter egg that you mentioned in the beginning of the credits that if people really keep their eyes open you might see but we won't get into that right now yeah it's kind of like in a way it tells you what you want to know at the end yes um couple other quick things. The career counselor says, who's played by Matthew Lillard, by the way, of other Which horror was fame. amazing. That guy. You, you want to talk about somebody spitting fire from take one. I mean, you got Matthew Lillard, for all you horror fans out there, from Scream, right? I mean, this guy is cutting his teeth in one of the best horror movie genres as a, what, 20-year-old in his 20s? He was actually even earlier than that. I know it's not a horror movie, but uh, in Serial Mom, uh, the John Waters film, where he's like, he plays a horror nerd, like he's like in love with oh, horror. Oh, there so, we go. Uh, so that's, that's where it starts. Yeah. Then it gets into Scream, which is pretty much the same thing, turn into a killer. And here he is. He just, for everyone out there, Matthew Lillard, this guy cooks in this movie. Go on. He says, the electricity is a bit iffy. Um... Okay, I get it's a bit iffy, but why are they trying to pump out like 1.21 gigawatts worth of power to fucking light this whole thing up? Or to keep the animatronics going. Oh my God. I'm like, how, what is the energy bill at this place? They throw in the main breaker and it's like fucking roller dance in there. It's crazy. Yeah, and, and, and to be honest, like you, we keep going back to it in the year 2000s. Man, there wasn't solar panels. There is no energy savings. I, you know, they say that they closed because of missing kids. I think it's their energy bill. Oh, yeah. Based on whatever sources costing all of us people, yeah, <laughs> it's got to be it back in the 2000s. I've got other questions I'm going to have to ask Jay after the podcast because I think it'll be too much of a spoiler. But the main question I have, aside from all of this, is why did the man in the yellow bunny suit kidnap Garrett, Mike's brother? Why, why was he kidnapped? Now, the reason I ask this is you'll find out in the film that Mike, in order to use his dream theory book to kind of go back to what happened, he has a poster of Nebraska, which tells me that Nebraska forest or whatever is where the kid goes missing, right? Now, we've established that Freddy Fazbear's is potentially in Utah. So we're talking like eight to 10 hour drive. So why is the man in the yellow, who's got like, I mean, it's basically like a, kid in a candy store or a candy in a kid store essentially because why so why is he driving to go take this little chubby faced kid garrett from nebraska so let's go down a theory that i may have that has i just made it up in my mind now all right so uh, they're on vacation in nebraska so maybe they live in utah and there is a connection that way and they he travels out to follow them steals the kid right now the kid goes missing and that mike gets all fucked up by it right so are the parents parents then turn to drugs and can't cope with a missing kid but somehow has another kid abby who is probably 10 years later freddie's closes the parents somehow are dead now what if the man in the yellow suit kills them in a car accident. I don't know how they died. Do we know how they die? Um, I think the mom was in a car accident and dad couldn't cope or something is what yeah, they said. Yeah, all right. So 
Lots of tragedy, and I think it was all manipulated and planned out by the guy in the yellow suit out in Utah. Just plain havoc on this family. But riddle me this. So let's say let's say you go on vacation, right? And you're in this film. You go on vacation, and your child gets kidnapped in, uh, let's say, Pennsylvania. Maine. Maine. <laughs> like, aren't you moving to Maine? until you find your kid like you're gonna go back home you're gonna go like th- three states away and like go back home and just like cross your fingers that they're gonna you're not hey, gonna I, move i'm not and, saying like, these are great parents <laughs> they went back to utah got on the got on the sauce got into a car accident but i don't they, think they're from i don't think they're at least from that part of utah because mike has no idea what the fuck freddie fazbear's is if it's that small oh, of a town he doesn't even right. know what it is so oh, you, like you killed my theory. <laughs> it, I'm I'm just confused by it. Like it doesn't to me. It, if he said, "Oh, my brother and I used to come here as a kid" or something, then it kind of makes sense of why maybe the man in the I don't want to say man in the yellow suit. I said bunny suit. You said man in the yellow suit. That's from fucking Curious George. But man in the yellow bunny suit. <laughs> True. What was his reason for taking this specific kid? And uh, I, someone's got to tell me. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, and, and maybe we'll get into that because uh, we'll, we'll get into that in one of our later segments where I might allude to the idea of a prequel would be fascinating through this through this if this becomes a franchise genre thing. Maybe some of your answers will get uh, put into cinematic viewing for you. I hope so. I think it might be time for us to do a little hot take action unless – yeah. You feel like I don't have like a tremendous amount. I only got one. All right. So let me let me knock this yeah. out. As I said or alluded to earlier, kind of like how you have gateway drugs. Well, this is a gateway movie. And I think what it is, it's really for this viewer that is 30 years younger than us. I hear that when you went to the movie theaters, you would hear a bunch of 12-year-olds in the background talking about all sorts of stuff throughout the whole movie that would have went way over our heads Mm -hmm. at that time. The fact that we got to see it on our couches is probably the best way that we could have and is true form of our millennial uh, standpoints here. Um, So with that saying, a gateway movie, now I go back to what a gateway movie was for me, and I'm going to tell you right now, Freddy... Five Nights at Freddy's is way better than what I'm going about to describe, and here's my hot take. The Gremlins. To us, mm. as kids, was a gateway movie into horror, and it was cheesy as all hell. But as a kid, you were into it. I think that's what this is, and that's why we don't get it. And that's okay. But what I love about it, the hot take, <laughs> is that this is better than Gremlins, in my opinion. I see this already as an adult saying way better than that. This has way more legs. That's it. That's my hot take. You might be right. And I'll say if we want to get even like a little bit meta about it, isn't it? To your point right now, we don't understand. That's kind of a theme in the movie. And it's a theme in a lot of movies is that we never understand how to fix the issue in these like supernatural horror movies. It's always the kid. Right. Oh yeah. The kid's the one who's like, you just need to do this. Draw. You just need to draw. Draw. That. Yeah. All you got to do is draw. All you got to do is believe. All you got to do is listen to the ghosts, and you're gonna be able to fix the situation. So kids are always the ones that understand in these movies. Always. That's been around don't. for as for for a long time through these horror movie genres. Yep. So the kids understand this film, where we might be a little bit confused by it. My only real hot take and. This is going to be really hot because you already did a lot of praise. I thought Matthew Lillard in this, I thought his acting was really choppy as the counselor. I thought he would deliver these lines in a very peculiar manner, which I guess if you go back, you're like, maybe that's how a counselor would talk. The question I have, and maybe it's part of the hot take, is like, is he the king of like the way to extended death scenes? Right, like think about him in Scream, where for like an hour he's like, "I'm fucking dying," and you put him in this film, and the same thing. It's like you fucking can't kill this guy. He's just like dying for like 45 minutes in the movie, and you're like, "Dude, can you die already? You're trying too hard to be like the king of the long death scenes." And the only other one I have is, um, man, Mike, Abby, Garrett, the mother is a snack. 
when she's seeing her sitting on that picnic table, I'm like, that woman is a snack. <laughs> then she says, everything is better swimming in ketchup. And I was like, oh, I got the ick. Because that is not true. So she's really the one with the hot take, which is everything is better swimming in ketchup. Wow. Ma'am, here's a cookie. Here you go. <laughs> you know, I love ketchup. So, but you're right. I, I wouldn't want anything but something dry and salty. Yeah. So, and those burgers look dry. So, they, Oh, my God. No cheese on those either? Oh, man. It's like, look like cardboard. And what is with the dad? He doesn't say a fucking word in the whole thing. He's like a lumberjacky looking dude, and he's just quiet. You know, he 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 looks like the guy. Um, oh God, man, a property brother? No, no. Oh yeah, very close. But he looks like the actor that was in. Oh man, it was this uh, J- Judd Apatow movie with uh, Paul Rudd trying to find a friend for his wedding. Oh, I love you, man. I love you, man. It was the guy that the gay brother tried to hook up with, with the beard, and he was like a straight guy at the gym. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I was like, is that the same dude? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he goes on the date with him later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, that guy barely he talked does, in yes. that. And he I was like, it's the same dude. They got the same <laughs> beard going. I was, I, I just thought they were. They could be the same guy for all I know, but they're not. <laughs> I just see him as that guy. Just be like, d- doesn't say much. He's just a, a guy over there. Oh, I forgot a hot take. Oh, God. It's a quick one. You film this movie 10 years earlier, Jake Gyllenhaal as Mike blows the movie away. Ooh. Because I kind of get, when I watch Mike in this, I'm getting like a Donnie Darko kind of vibe from him a little bit. Yeah. And I'm just thinking like, when he acts and he talks, I just I just see Jake Gyllenhaal. And I'm like, I think he would have blown this movie away. Yeah, so the, the main character is Josh Hutchinson. Hutchinson? Hutchinson? Hutchinson. Yeah. The only movie I remember him from, I guess he was really into Hunger Games, right? I think he was in that big genre. Never saw it. Sorry. Uh, it, all right. So maybe some of our viewers can correct us on that. But I did Bridge of Terabithia is the only movie I remember that guy from. Oh, and, okay. and now you're going way back when he was like a little kid child actor. So he's a huge, he's yeah. been around. So he's got, he's got a fan base, but not, not to me. You're right. Jake Gyllenhaal would have, would have crushed. And now it's exactly what the character probably needed, this dark, well, maybe better acted person. Yeah. No, nah, good good take. You want to get into the awards now, or do you you got more? Yeah, I think we've got a um, couple awards. I think we can even include They Ain't Never Gonna Be Right as part of an It's kind of an award, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. So to remind everybody, because we've been away for a little yes. bit. In, in terms even of even I needed a refresher right before this. So the awards, the awards we give are just sort of like for those characters that you consistently see across different movies um, in the horror genre. So the first one is the Franklin Award, and that's from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Franklin's the wet blanket of a brother who doesn't want to do anything and is always depressed and blah, 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 blah. So the wet blanket, there's always one in every movie who's like, no, I don't want to do that. And you're hoping to see him die. You're like, all right, when are they going to kill this character Yes, off? let's get him out of here. Um, you've got Uncle Charles, who is sort of like the, I do a lot of bad things uh, under the guise of love. And that's from uh, Friday the 13th, part eight. You've got Judy, the Mean Girl Award. Judy from Sleepaway Camp. Very bully-esque teasing. And then you've got the Tommy Jarvis Award, also from, um, we'll say, Friday the 13th, part six. Um, and it's kind of like the hero but that also fucks everything up along the way. Kind of the boner award, man. He kind of was like, without you, none of this would have happened. Yeah. Like, you you caused all the problems and then fixed them later, and then everyone's like, oh, my God, what a hero. It's like, no, you kind of, it's kind of a net zero, right? Yes. Like, and then uh, they ain't never going to be right. That's uh, that's really Jay's uh, prized award there. I'll let you explain it. Yeah, so this goes back to uh, my brother and I. Uh, we always thought about these movies that when they would end you would see this one character just completely like oh they ain't never gonna be right you know which leads to they're gonna be fucked up forever lots of counseling lots of therapy maybe some sauce some drugs and who knows maybe the end of their life yep but these people ain't never gonna be right so for the franklin award the wet blanket of the movie i think it goes to mike yeah, you, we we mentioned we we never saw eye to eye on any of these as we were talking. I I, I went with Aunt Jane, uh, and you know, the reason for me is that uh, 
every time, and, and I'm sure she falls into another award. I think you mentioned, mm-hmm. but for me, um, I just wanted to see her go. Yeah. And I can't tell if she did or not because there was a scene towards the later half of the movie. One of the animatronics comes to Abby's house, who's at Aunt Jane's house. She starts, I guess, falls asleep watching a TV show. Yeah. But Freddy's there, the bear. Yeah. So maybe she, I don't know, did, you, did we get to see her later on in the movie? Oh, no, she's definitely dead. She's they, dead. They, All they right. So to me, I was like, ah, thank God it, it, it happened. But you get, again, you didn't see it happen. You just assume it happened, and I was, that was, I was my glory. Yeah, I didn't want Mike to die, but I just thought, right, like you know your sister's fucked up, you're fucked up, your whole family's fucked up, and you have to bring her to work at this. Because your babysitter's dead. Yeah, at this crazy arcade, and you basically like want to lock her in a tent and tell her to like stay there all night instead of like, Maybe being a good brother and being like, hey, let's show you around. You want to play an arcade game before you go to bed? Like, something. And he doesn't. So I think he's just way too serious. He's fucked up himself. But he doesn't do anything to really try to better his sister's life who, like, got born into this mess, too. And not until the end when he completely fucks up and says, yeah, you can have her. Oh, wait. No, no, no. I take that back. Yeah, he goes to trade her. Yeah, so he can have his brother back. No, no, no. Just so that he could relive the dream over and over. Not You'll never get anyone back. That was it. What a, what a bad yeah. deal. But in the end, it may, it may or may not have worked out. Uncle Charles. I think Uncle Charles Award for me. Is it St. Jane? Um, I mean, it could be Jane. I think it's almost the man in the yellow rabbit suit. I don't want to say who it is, but I think it's the man in the yellow rabbit suit because he does oh. all these shitty things and he's got a daughter and tries to like justify them and have her help him in his escapades so might go which we haven't even introduced yet on this podcast but i think we will through an award so we'll get to that and i think i agree with you i think the uh the man in the yellow bunny suit wins that for sure uh judy the mean girl award uh, goes to jane oh that that's where you had it and i i won't argue that too much um because she was she was a, a a bully um, obviously, uh, needing, needing the checks as, as, as Mike says, but she calls him a delinquent calls the, the, her niece, uh, mentally ill and then jokes about killing Mike and also paying people to ruin his life. And obviously karma came back. Everything kind of worked out in that regard. My Judy mean girl was the pretenses of Vanessa, who is the police officer for this town, who knew all the history, all too well, about this place, was very knowledgeable, was a very key element to getting Mike to return, getting... They didn't really finagle how they got Abby into the Mm -hmm. building. That was more of an Aunt Jane thing happening. Because of Max, the babysitter, goes missing. But anyway, Vanessa, she's the um, police officer, seems to know way more than she's leading off to and really pisses Mike off and really puts Abby. She pins it back on Mike about how Abby's in danger because of him. And I think it's all bullshit. Like, you kind of started this. She could even go in the Uncle Charles Award, too, but... I think not that she's mean to anybody. She's actually super sweet and nice, which really makes it not a good fit. But at the same time, she is all false pretense. She lured them there. She's telling them little things here and there that really make everything go sideways. She actually is my Jarvis for that same reason. Oh. Because she sort of like, she comes in to try to rescue at the end of the film after she was the one who caused most of the issues. Yeah, see how this just keeps... Uh, it's a small cast, so you yeah, kind of... Yeah. We're going to have some redundancies, but just to kind of... Do you have a different Jarvis? I had Abby, and not for a great reason, other than she, like, drew these kids. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, she, she like, pretended even at home about these kids. Her drawings made sense later on in the movie. And then she befriends them. And then, you know, so she she just kind of opens up Pandora's box. And she's kind of the creator of it. 
So that's that's kind of why I put her there, yeah. kind of in, in the same frame of what Tommy did. You started this with the pictures, luring them to the place had a lot of people involved too. So it's not it all it all connects in a weird way. So I'm just gonna go with Abby because of her drawings. And uh, for they ain't never gonna be right. I uh, the tricky thing about this one is like I don't even think it's Abby. Like you would think it's Abby, but I don't think it is because. She seemed to be so like thriving. She thrives. She was comfortable with all the ghosts and yeah. the weird kids and the because like, she was weird, so comfortable. Yeah. And then I was thinking, okay, well then it's got to go to Vanessa. And I'm like, well, she was already f- the weird thing. Vanessa's been fucked up her whole life, but she's so well adjusted in the film. Yeah, like how is she that normal in the film, even though she's had the most fucked up life of all time? So I think I got to give it to Mike because Mike is still going to be stuck on the fact that he doesn't – well, he knows who took his brother, but I don't think he's ever going to stop dreaming about whether he could have changed that or not. Correct. I think he was already – right. He wasn't right from the beginning of the movie, and he's never going to be right towards the end. No, he's never going to change. He is what he is. He saw his brother. How old was he? 12? The brother when he got kidnapped? No. Yeah, oh, when Mike. He, oh, Mike was probably 12, yeah. Yeah, 12. So at 12 years old, he, he that's <clears> when he was – ain't never going to be right. And then it just goes on through the whole movie. Puts his sister in danger again. Like he just can't stop fucking up. So there you go. Yeah, he's the winner. Winner chicken dinner. The next thing we should go into, I think, would be the soundtrack. Um, we usually do like a rate the soundtrack kind of thing, and not a ton of music in this no. film. But I thought the music that was in it was very good. Great. I yeah. I I I don't know what our rating format was. Two years ago. I don't know if we had one, but I'll just give you a couple quick songs that were in this. Um, you had the Romantics um, with Talking in Your Sleep, I think is the name of the song, as the animatronics play it, which I thought was a great, it's a perfect 80s rock song to put. It was awesome. It yeah. was just so good. It was creepy too. Yeah. And it kind of worked with Mike because Mike has, it's a whole dream. Like it's a theme in the whole movie is a dream. So yeah. um, I think talking in your sleep is sort of, he actually does start interacting with people and then he wakes up and the things that happen to him and it's like, kind of like Freddy Krueger, like yeah. kind of the same thing. Huge homage there that I, I, through the whole movie, I was like, mm-hmm. this is like Freddy Krueger inspired, but yeah. You've got a montage type sequence uh, with Iggy Pop's A Real Wild Child. Mm-hmm. Also like great. 80s song to throw in there and then the only other one is um the taxi driver got s- the the smooth r&b on listening to brandy's i want to be down so i think those as like three pop culture mainstream songs worked really well in the film and i thought like the the score and some of the other music in it is very like 80s synth pop stranger things kind of style and oh, i think yeah. it it just works really well oh with the opening what, credits yeah. i was like stranger things a little homage there the dream sequences you know with freddy and, and freddy krueger i'm uh, I, i'm saying not freddy <laughs> fozzy bear Fozbear. 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 Well, that's good. Bear. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of good homages throughout this movie. We won't get into all those, but uh, those were some key elements there. I, I thought the music was great. I I was actually looking forward to that. And, and, and again, because this music was actually kind of like genre-specific or even – time period specific yeah except for the brandy you had a kind of a weird point you know a good point about that that was a weird 90s song but it was a guy listening to it in a taxi cab not an uber everybody a taxi cab in 2000 so a little 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 interesting things happening there i had that question when i first saw the scene i was like after i thought of like What's what's Freddie's gonna get on the one by app? I was like, what is Freddie Fosbear's actual Uber rating? And I was like, well, no, no, you can't have an Uber rating. Yeah, it's a taxi. It's a taxi. All right, so the soundtrack. Now we go into, I think, a couple new things that we got going on here. Yeah, which really yeah. tries to talk about what its future, what kind of legs it's got, a rating system based on blockbuster shells. We'll get into that, and. I just kind of threw in a last thing. Will you screen it or stream it? Which kind of speaks for itself, and we'll get into that. But the first one being hopeful or tropeful. Eric, this was kind of your brainchild. What does this category mean to you? So for me, it's like um, hopeful or tropeful is, is this something original um, in horror that's got legs that's going to potentially move on and create more and more? 
Um, or is it just sort of like full of a bunch of like themes that have already existed in horror movies and just trying to uh, ride on their coattails? I think we probably both agree on this one as it's it's it might be a little bit of both, but I think ultimately it's hopeful. Yes. And I think it's probably because of the nostalgia piece. Like I love the idea of the nostalgia of the of the eighties of this arcade, this pizza place and horror, like it takes you back. Mm-hmm. And I that's what I really do like about it. So I think my hope was like, do you get a, a prequel out of this? Yes. Do you explain more? Which helps probably help you know, which helps you answer some questions, really gets back to the man in the yellow bunny suit. And how he, why he's so fucked up and stealing kids and what he does actually with these kids. Not in a sicko way, but more of, hey, they go missing. And in the movie, they lead on to not a trace of these kids. Not a trace. Yeah. So what ha- how do you just incinerate these kids from ever being? So I want to get back to that. And that's why hopeful for me, I see a franchise here. I see a prequel. I see a follow-up. I see a couple uh, movies coming out. There's already video games. Um, they, and the, I would say they they leave a little bit of a of a, a hanger hanger at the end um, after the credits. So yeah. post credits, there's that one scene of the taxi again. Yeah, and then you got Bubble Boy. I yeah. think they're called Balloon Boy. Yeah, yeah, Balloon Boy. I think not Bubble Boy. Yeah. D- so what's in movie. that? Yeah, what is there something in that place that actually houses a demon that creates this whole craziness and drives the man in the yellow bunny suit nuts to do what he like? Is he the catalyst to fuel this demon? Whatever, I don't know. Like these are the things I'm like. Let's get into it. So, yeah, I, I and obviously I, yeah. we talked about the numbers: it, twenty, thirty million to make, two hundred thirty million. And that was a week ago. So I think the numbers are still climbing and it's streaming. So you're not only doing these out in the box office, you're not even seeing the streaming numbers yet. And it's so marketable. Like the marketing on this, like the merch and stuff could be, it's already insane. It's already, yeah. It's yeah. Al- my, my brother was saying it was already in Hot Topic as a, as a big thing. So, um, so yeah, so we're both on the same page there. I think it's a hopeful, even with the, holes in the plot line and like it's going to drive a lot of people nuts but we already alluded to it it's going to drive the older audiences nuts i don't think it's driving the kids nuts and and that i think that's where this movie lives and i think that's why i don't want to sound like an old man yelling at clouds right so that's why i'm like i'm super hopeful and i think it's i think it's it was a good movie which will get us into our our rating here so i thought of when we were were kids and we'd go to Blockbuster, uh, you would always see these aisles, right? New releases. And you'd always figure out a way, like what do these movie theaters have to, in- or uh, rental places have to invest to get people to rent their movies, come into the store, buy whatever. Some movies would cost, I don't know, you use put more of a value on it, but I was always went by the shelves. Like if you went to go see Ace Ventura and it did all these numbers, you would see a whole 10 racks of of Ace Ventura's just so that people can see it. Yeah. So we're going of a racking system, one through 10, um, and I'm going to give it, because I liked it, I'm going to give it a seven, rack, uh, seven shelves out of 10. Yeah, and just to piggyback on that, essentially, you know, the, the films could cost upwards of like a couple hundred dollars to buy as a, um, to, to be able to rent, to get the license to rent them. Um, so it was a pretty big expense, um, which is why the blockbusters of the world were able to edge out a lot of the mom and pop shops because they had the capital to be able to go in and get, buy every copy of Ace Ventura to your point and put it on their shelves. And if you're the mom and pop store, like what do you get? Two copies of it. And they're always out. Always out on rent. And That's why I didn't so, like going to those places. So. so it's tough. So for me, I think if I had to invest in and get this film, I'm somewhere more in the line of like between a five and six. And it's only because it feels like they had a lot of time to kind of come up with um, the the script and the plot and stuff for this film. And to me, there's a lot of holes in it. So, I mean, I'm always going to advocate for any horror movie because I want, I like, even if it sucks, like I want films to do well because I, I want to keep people interested in wanting to make these types of movies. Cause, and, that, and that's why you th- should think <clears throat> this movie was great for that reason. It really is going to create a genre. This is what's going to keep the horror genre going into another stratosphere. 
because now they're the youth is behind us and this is kind of that what i call a gateway into it yeah so. i mean we we saw so many great films right before this one though and that's why i think it's like <laughs> right like we yeah it's tough for us <laughs> to get around it because we've seen i am not putting this on the same plane as texas chainsaw massacre yeah. or, a, or a classic like that but what i'm saying is I didn't see Texas Chainsaw Massacre till I was a much older, way into horror by that point, so I can handle it. So, if you watch that as your first movie ever at age twelve, God help you. <laughs> yeah, this is. I agree. This is the Gremlins. Uh, this is modern day Gremlins, and it's going to have that same, um, I think, nostalgic piece. And I think that it's going to be one that lives on for a very long time. Yeah. So I think you nailed it there. Well, I think you're good with the the five rating because. That's what it is right now. I think it only got like five out of ten stars anyway on IMBD. Yeah, but it's not, it's not like a it's not a barn burner. I think what a lot of people like us are saying not great, but I get it. I think it, you you should see it. Yeah. Anyone out there should see it because I think it's worth watching and it's worth sort of like going in and maybe see. Do you do you have better answers than we did? Did I watch it and just forget what was going on? Did I miss something that was really huge here? Or does because- it even matter? Yeah, and that's why I didn't want to look any of it up because I want you to hear my take on it as like not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not a Reddit subscriber on Five Nights at Freddy's. Like I'm just coming on as some new dude to this franchise and this movie and sitting down and watching it and seeing does it make sense to me or not. And I thought it was entertaining and it had really good themes in it and I would love to see where it goes. But I think it felt rushed to me. Got a lot of holes, and let's patch yeah. them up. That's all. That's, yep. uh, Answer my questions. Yeah, do, do that for me, and do, I'm good. Do better on the next one. Hey, you know this was a great starting point. Let's let's keep going. So the next, the last one, the last segment here, I think, right? Screen it or stream it. So we're kind of we gotta on, have another option though. What if there's like a trash it? Sure, screen it. Don't even stream see it. it. Trash it. All right, great. So we got three three there. Now, what happened with us, we had tickets. You got sick, so we both streamed it. So we were ready to screen it. And what I hear is the theaters are packed. The kids are coming in stroves. So if you want to watch a movie with a bunch of 13-year-olds, that's on you, and it might be good. But we streamed it, so I'm going to live in that world right now. Go ahead and stream it. It's on Peacock. Yeah, I mean, I would see it in theaters, um, not on opening night, certainly. But well, we were, we were going. We to. were going. We actually, we had a early really. We got to see. Yeah, the, we we had tickets to we, the early we, release. We were on board, but we just, you know, things happened. We would have saw it in the theater, but I think we would have gotten annoyed with all the kids. I think we would have. We're we're, we're going to be the old man yelling at clouds, man. Yeah, agreed. So I think we streamed it. I enjoyed it on my couch. You all too. I watched it twice. So, yeah, I watched it, and then I had to watch it again today before our pod. So I'm already two 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 uh, viewings in, and I'll, I'm sure I'll watch it again. This is so we'll we'll end the podcast here because you know there was always this. Um, I think I I don't know if I asked you or I asked my brother, but I was like, hey, what is going to be the first movie that I show my kid? He's seven. This might be it. I've watched it, and I'm like, I can I can see my seven year old getting in, you know, watching it, and going. You know, you know Andreas. I think he would he would dig it, and probably get yeah. scared by it, but not in a, not in an unhealthy way. Because I'm like, dude, it's animatronics, dude. That <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> this is out there. Yeah, I th- I think this could be the one. Yeah, that's why the the other one that I really uh, hold near and dear to my heart, it, not the Gremlins, is uh, uh, Monster Squad, which was always a really good one because there was a bunch of kids and a bunch of like old timey monsters. Uh, and now it's campy and and fun and kids and they're cool like treehouse and you know that 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 was the one that really got me into it. But it was like it had some horror elements. It was kind of scary. It was like the Wolfman and vampires. I don't know. I might be too old. Like this this makes more sense. Yeah, I think ultimately the main takeaway in this film is if you have a child that likes to draw and color, uh, they're probably talking to ghosts. <laughs> oh, like Heaney. Heaney. Yeah. I think we should make a film about Heaney. I know. I think I'm going to get into that. What's our idea of coming back to the pod? Are we going to try to do this every two weeks? or? Yeah, I think we're probably going to be on a bi-weekly. We, we saw a ton of movies that I think we that are still fresh enough that we could probably go back and, and watch again just to get some like uh, 
a lot of them kind of blurred together at some point, right? You're like, wait, was that killing in this one or that one? Because we saw so many of them. But there was a lot of really great films that have come out in the recent times. And I think there's a couple more that are um, coming out now. Um, I think like one I would mention is Thanksgiving, yep. the Eli Roth movie uh, might be a good one for us to do. So I think there's a couple on the horizon that we can do that are um Well, you just showed me soon. one on Shutter that you thought was going to be a banger. Yeah, released at the end of November. We won't give that name away yet, but there, there's a bunch that we're we're looking to do. We might we'll throw in some classics like Jay mentioned before. We're not like specifically looking to just do newer films, but we thought you know be good to have some fresh takes on some you know on some newer films. But now, now I will put this in the queue because it just came out on Netflix on Friday. The Killer. God, who's the um, the Zodiac? Who who directed the Zodiac? Phenomenal director, um, one of my favorites. God, he also did the social network. Fincher, yeah, David Fincher. Yeah. All right, so we just looked it up. David Fincher, uh, who did the Zodiac, social network, just a phenomenal director, and it just came out on this Friday, so I'd love to get this one in the mix. It's streaming right now, um, and maybe we can get that into our repertoire as well. It's a thriller. But, you know, it's it's got some, uh, if it's anything like the Zodiac, which was a great story, it's going to be phenomenal. So I hear nothing but good things. Well, excited to come back to you all, and we'll see you again in a couple weeks. Yeah, man. Peace out. Later.